Hold on one second, man. I got a spider over here just doing stuff. Okay. Oh, you trying to jump? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where you go? Why did you, you, <laughs> you talk to the spider like he's just some dude? Like, hey, you trying to jump at me? Yeah. Let's go. Because I was about to smash him, and then he was just like, "Psych." <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, you trying to jump. <laughs> Player two has entered the podcast. We gonna get started. Welcome back uh, to Player Two has entered the podcast. I am your co-host. Michael Peterson, a.k.a. MC Paperstacks, and with me, as always, is my co-host with the co-most. Derek Murkison, a.k.a. The Merkman, a.k.a. Full Metal Merk. Full Metal Merk. Speaking of Full Metal, woo, we about to get into it today, man. Ooh, man, Episode 10 through 12. We'll, we'll, we'll save it for the end, but suffice it to say, some juicy tidbits happened this week. Speaking of this week, how's everything been going? It's been going pretty good, man. I've been uh, pushing myself a little harder than usual as far as the work goes, because uh, I actually happened to, I watch a lot of reseller YouTubers, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one that I watched in particular, Phoenix Resale, he uh, was talking about how much he made, is on track to make on Amazon mm. this year, and it's like three times what I'm on track to make. I'm, oh. like, I'm like, I've been doing this for longer than him, so I need to step my game up. So what do you think, uh, like watching him, that, that fascinates me, and I, I love that Like you're looking at people that are like, you know, in that game that hard because I think mm -hmm. it's good to compare yourself and kind of take notes and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll watch other streamers and go, what are they doing that I'm doing? Oh, they're right. interesting. That's what it is. I need to be more <laughs> interesting. But, but um, I mean, what do you think he's doing? Is it like advertising? Is it um, like his sources? What, 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 what's up? Well, I'm sure the YouTube channel doesn't hurt. Mm. Yeah. And he's also been doing it full time longer than I have. Ah, I see. Okay. Yeah. How so I've been, been doing, doing it full time, time for about five months he's been doing it about a year and a half okay so okay it makes sense because i wasn't doing it full-time until like i think may right of right. this year mm -hmm. so that's already five months of full-time income down the drain so, yeah but there's that let's see guy i'm having a little uh rodent problem oh, uh, i wouldn't no. say it wouldn't, yeah I wouldn't say, it's about that time i wouldn't say it's a huge issue but yeah, i have caught you got like, bugs and mice trying to come in the house right now because it's getting cold in india well, it's getting cold and hot. The weather doesn't know what it wants to do. Well, yeah, well, that's Andy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've caught three mice in the past, like, week, week and a half. Yikes. Yeah. And every time I do, I'm like, yeah, I got you. And then I'm like, wait, I didn't even know you were in here. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah. rough. Yeah, because, like, the first one, we saw it, like, scurrying about. And I was like, okay, let me get some traps. Mm -hmm. Then I caught it. And I was like, all right, that's that. Mm -hmm. Dusted my shoulders off and moved along. And then I caught two more. I was like, okay, maybe I need to call the exterminator. Yeah, Jerry brought all the homies. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah, was Rem, um, Remy from Ratatouille. I wish that was the one. <laughs> <laughs> just coming just come into your me, kitchen and have an etouffee laid out. Like, what's this? What's, yeah, it's like, this what's delicious. <laughs> oh, man, if mice could cook, they could be my yeah. friends. Yeah, don't yeah, sit on my counter. The, um, I think I told you before that this house is pretty new. We had it built about seven years, like back in 2013. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of the areas around here, a lot of houses around here, like reported early on that they had issues of field mice. And it's funny. When I got my dog in the first month, I think that we got this new house, we got Kincaid too. And I took him out for his very first walk. The first thing he found when I took him out for a walk was a field mouse. Like mm. he got real low to the ground. And he's a he's a Catahoula leopard. If you don't know anything about Catahoulas, they're ranching dogs and they're used to hunting like small animals. Like the, the squeaking of a mouse or a rabbit drives him nuts. Mm. So he, he got real low to the ground. He got his nose, his little snout in the ground. And I'm like, what are you looking at? And all of a sudden a mouse just leaps up like a good foot out of like the ground in the air just jumps like oh shit it's a dog right <laughs> and he goes tearing ass after it and i was like no rabies <laughs> right don't eat that wild mouse so i didn't think anything of it and then i heard about through the neighbors about the mouse problem i'm like oh man maybe we should look into that but then i noticed we didn't really have a mice problem so i went and i remember my wife was talking to her next her neighbor and he goes check out these mouse tracks and he showed mouse tracks from his house going towards our house getting to the property line and then just turning right back around. You're right. My dog is scaring the mice away. So I guess what I'm roundabout trying to say is you need to get yourself a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Preferably a hunting dog like mine, like a, like a, like a Catahoula. Yeah. Or, well, the question is which one is cheaper paying for exterminator services or getting a dog? Well, if it's just to exterminate mice, maybe the exterminator services, although that's debatable. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you get so much more with a dog. Dogs are yeah, great, man. They're man's good best friend. You're a good boy. You're a good baby. Plus, you're always petting dogs in games. Why not try the real life then? Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to take care of it. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. You already got two other people you're taking care of. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. My dog, he's old. We got him when he was middle-aged, so he pretty much takes care of himself. In fact, we were going to get a puppy, but when we explained our lifestyle and like the fact that we were both working and away from the home at the time, the lady at the Humane Society was like, yeah, you want this dog. And sure enough, he ended up being perfect for us. So. Right. Sweet. Yeah, exterminators. So we ended up noticing, my wife was like pulling up old bushes and stuff in the yard and doing some yard work, you know, because we're all home and, and during the summer. You notice we have a termite problem. And I was like, man, if we're noticing like, this part of the house, they haven't gotten to our house yet because they're focused on the dead wood around it, but it's a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So I had her call an exterminator and I told her, I was like, look, I got family members and I got people in my family that are exterminators. They're going to try to run you on the price. We may want to talk to a few different people. If this dude tries to charge you more than $100 for a single service, then, you know, just say no, thank you. and We'll try somebody else. So she got it, but... What she didn't realize is I didn't mean $100 per month. So this dude's mm. charging us $99 per month, right? Right. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, well, they already done drilled the holes and came out and everything. I was like, look, well, here's what we'll do. We'll uh, wait a couple months. And, you know, when it gets cold and stuff and like, you know, around now, we can basically cancel for the, the following month because at that point they're not going to be active and they're probably already all dead, whatever, whatever. So I have her go to cancel it. And then they reach out and go, hey, if we cancel, you're still going to have to pay. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And they go, it's in the contract. Apparently, she signed a contract. And the guy didn't adequately explain it to her. It kind of says it on there, but I get it when you're in the mode and you're like signing Mm -hmm. off. So I'm not – I was really mad about the situation. I'm not so much mad at her, but it does suck. We're locked in to pay $100 a month for the first year. Yeah, that's uh, what I asked immediately because I saw, yeah, the prices laid out per every two months or something. Yeah. I was like, so when I sign this, is this contractual, meaning that I have to pay this yeah. no matter what? And he was like, yeah, after they come out and do it, then yes. 
Yeah, so they're coming out Tuesday, so I have until then to change my mind. Just make but, sure make sure that, you know, you know exactly the time frame that you're locked in and you know, shop around a bit. You got time. Now, obviously you're handling the problem on your own pretty good. You haven't found any damage they've caused yet, right? No. But this is this is more to put my wife at ease. I gotcha. Well yeah, putting your wife at ease, that's that's definitely important. I get that. Yeah. And I mean to be honest, it's, it's nobody wants to live in a house with rodents scurrying around. I totally get that too. Right. She's got PTSD from childhood about rodents so yeah, yeah i feel you man. what it is yeah no it's rough man i've been uh i've been in in places where the infestation was bad you know what i mean coming up not having a whole lot of money i totally get that mm-hmm. so well watch out for terminex those are the ones that got us and i don't think like i said the salesman adequately explained it to her and mm-hmm. i'm pretty well pissed with them and we're being overcharged but at least we don't have termites so i guess that's the silver lining right <laughs> if we do whoo yeah, if somebody's you do, coming then after then it's a problem. Then, yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, let's uh, move on. So, try to think about what else happened this week. So, two things with me. Last week, I had mentioned I was playing Red Faction Gorilla Remastered, and I said that's cool because it's the guy's last name. It's not. Oh. It's just Mars. They're on Mars. I don't know how oh. I got it mixed in my head. <laughs> the character's name is Alec Mason. And which mm. Mason because the symbol is them holding a hammer, and I was like, oh, I get it. Ha ha. Very funny. Yeah. Correction there for all the ones that were like emailing in and going, you're a dummy. I'm like, I know. I get it. So <laughs> what else? Oh, I, we've been talking about fitness, you know, past few episodes. And I'm trying to get in there where I fit in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been trying to do the walks. That's been marginally okay. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to walk today, which I need to figure that out. But I did figure that, you know, part of the issue is metabolism slowing down because you're not getting enough exercise. And... Aside from kicking up the exercise, I thought it would probably be good to get my circadian rhythm specific, meaning like my metabolism when it kicks up during the day and when it winds back down. The reason why people say you shouldn't eat after a certain time of night is because if you extend your eating outside of a 9 to 12 hour window, your body stops breaking that stuff down as well, right? Mm, yeah. So I found this app called Zero where I can click start fast after I eat my last meal for the day and then I can track how long it's been since I've eaten and then when I can start eating the next day. And I've been, I started off with like 13 hours and I kicked it up to 16. So I only eat within an eight hour window and then I fast for 16 hours. And I've done that for the past four days and day one kind of sucked, but then day two and on have actually been quite good. I feel lighter. I feel more energetic. I feel even more well-rested if that makes sense. So yeah, for those out there looking for different ways to try to, you know, if, if this works for you, I know late, late night eating was a problem for me anyways. You know what I mean? I think like part of me wanting to stay up, I would eat when I stayed up or sometimes I would stay up to eat. Like it was just a vicious cycle. But with this, there's not a whole lot to do. And I, like last night I was feeling really particularly hungry because I had an early dinner. It was like 11 o'clock. I had just finished streaming and usually I'd stay up and eat and snack or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to go to bed. So I was up bright and early this morning. And by bright and early, I mean around 10 o'clock, but whatever. <laughs> because <laughs> i was still in bed last night playing hades on my switch right. <laughs> so but yeah that's all i got going on with me what is up with you this week in pickups so i've been picking up a lot of cool vintage toys but the coolest thing that i picked up was a uh, i don't know if you remember the show beetleborgs but the little basically morphers that they use called a beetle bonder or a data bonder i picked up one of those from a goodwill and of course i opened it up and it's got corrosion and whatnot. Mm. And mm. okay, I can fix that. Yeah, you so know I start, what's up. 
Yeah, I start opening it up, and I don't know if I told you guys this before, but if you have any type of corrosion on like a battery-operated thing, you use white vinegar, and it will eventually clean it all away. Right. So I started using that, and then I put the batteries in, and then like two of the lights turned on. I was like, sweet. I was like, oh, well, I'm going to get this uh, last one to start working. And then I opened it up completely, saw the motherboard and everything, and started doing my white vinegar thing. But then one of the <laughs> one of the wires snapped because it was so stale. Yikes. And I put it back together and it just didn't work at all. So I was like, wow, <laughs> I just broke it completely. Is it, are the wires big enough to where you can probably replace the wire? Like if you can solder? Yeah, probably. But I, I have no idea how to do any of that. So. Well, if you have the extra money, I don't think a soldering kit costs a lot. And you would just basically take a new wire, like clip, you know, a small piece of a wire. Because you can get wiring anywhere, like any hardware store for pretty cheap. You mm-hmm. could take and you could solder, you know, one end to where it was connected to the other. And it would probably work just fine. And then you'd be out here repairing tools like a boss. Yeah. I guess it just uh, depends on how much the item is worth and if I'm willing to put the time into it. Yeah, I think once you have the soldering kit and the wire, if you run into this problem a lot moving forward, you could do it. You're probably one YouTube video or two away from knowing how to do it well. But like you said, does that problem happen to you enough? Is the value of the items worth enough for you, of your time to actually do it? Who knows? Right. Yeah. And uh, another cool thing that I picked up was this uh, Spider-Man alarm clock. And it's basically like the skyline of New York and Spider-Man sitting on top of it. And it does it does a version of the Spider-Man song that I'm gonna play for you okay. now. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Come on. Mm. Let's go. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Oh yeah. Ooh, get it, girl. She lo- oh man, she loves it. As sung by Chaka Khan, I love it. <laughs> right, <laughs> and it's just in person. It's I don't know if you can tell, but it just sounds so generic. Yeah, and whatnot. And every time it seems like Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever Spider Man. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I picked that up from a Goodwill. So that was, that was, a pretty... that was very jazzy. It was very lounge. I like it. I'd right. go to that every morning happily. I'd be bopping. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But uh, the last thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, for current events, I was riding along doing my little sourcing route, and I drive by a park, and I see this dude with his dog. He is practicing with a nunchaku, and he is killing it. Wow. And I was just like, I'm like driving against by. against the dog? No, not against the dog. <laughs> the dog is just chilling. But this guy has headphones on, and I'm, like, rolling down my window, driving 30 miles an hour. I'm trying to be like, get it, bro. Because <laughs> he's killing it. And I was like, I want to pull over and talk to this dude and everything. Oh, a but feller I... chucker, eh? Right. <laughs> that sounds like a damn near slur. A fellow chucker, eh? Yeah, a fellow right. chucker. Um, that's a quote from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Or no, oh. the original Teenage Mutant Turtles. Okay, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he goes, and he goes, oh, a fellow chucker. Keep practicing. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen the second movie way more than the first one. Uh, well, I'm actually, I've only seen the first that. one one. I'm sorry to hear that. The first one is probably the best and probably the only... The second one was so campy, I would argue the first one is really the only one that could be taken seriously as a film. But, you know, that's a discussion for another day. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's it for me for current events, man. Right Got on. Beetleborg, Spider-Man, and Black Ninja. Right on. Well, let's get uh, going what we're playing this week. So, what you been playing this week? So I picked up Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath finally, and it was fucking awesome. 
I swear, the Mortal Kombat 11 was already like pretty good, especially the story mode. Mm-hmm. But this uh, aftermath DLC of the like choreography and the direction of the cutscenes is like 10 out of 10. Wow. Like when I'm yeah, when I'm watching it, I'm just like, wow, this is really cool. There, like these moves are ridiculous. I feel like I'm watching a movie. And then you got the DLC characters that come with it, like Spawn, mm-hmm. RoboCop, mm-hmm. Joker, Fusion, mm-hmm. Shiva. Sindel and Nightwolf, I think, are all of them. Okay. But uh, yeah, the all three, the three new ones are Fusion, Shiva, and Shang Tsung. Okay. All right. And uh, Fusion's pretty dope. Uh, he was my favorite one to play as. He used a lot of wind techniques and stuff. But uh, yeah, man, it was nice. And crazy thing is, this is a uh, gonna lead into uh, some of the news later. But uh, of course, there's another version of the game coming out. So I just bought this. And I'm gonna sell it immediately so I can get my money back on it, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath, and I also started playing Genshin Impact, which is that free-to-play anime, yeah. Breath of the Wild type game. I only played it for about 20 minutes, but from what I played, it definitely seems like something I'm interested in. It's a lot more dense than a lot of free-to-play games. A lot of your gacha-type games, yeah. Right, I yeah, agree. exactly. I agree. I, I feel like this is a gacha-type game done right. I know you haven't gotten this far where I started asking you for money yet. I have gotten to the point where it's like, okay, so now you can use your money to buy this currency, to buy this. And I'm like, okay. But even then, I don't feel pressured like I need to do it. I feel like I could. I don't really support that type of practice, so I will not give... I usually like a lot, a certain amount of money that I'll give a game, but mm-hmm. I don't... I usually just do it to buy permanent things. Like, if you pay this money, you get this item. I don't like pay this money to roll the dice on which item you might get. I don't support that at all. Right. I don't even care if you gave me a free game and it's awesome. I just do not support that practice. But this, I mean, I don't mind telling friends about it and recommending it because it actually really is decent. And I'm excited to hear what you think once you get, like, you know, extra party members and you get to dungeon dive or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, who do I know out of my circle of friends who would really enjoy more anime in their Breath of the Wild? Right. Derek. Yeah. Derek would like more anime in his Breath of the Wild, I think. <laughs> yes. yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. More anime in my Breath of the Wild. So <laughs> if, that's, if that's what you want, you got it. And... When you start off seeing like what the main character can do versus like what they're powered down to, you know eventually you're probably going to be flying through the air and doing all kinds of crazy crap, zipping mm-hmm. around. There's this really cool sequence you haven't gotten to yet where it introduces a new, a new gameplay element where you're on par with fighting a dragon mm. uh, while it's flying through the air. I won't say much else. And it doesn't look like you can do it anytime you want, although maybe later on in the game that you can. But the fact that it introduced a mechanic like that, I was like, okay, this game is opening up. Like, it's a lot more dense than you would think it would be. So, I'm into it. Cool, man. Well, this week, let's see. I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 10. It was on Tuesday. And then I finished it in the first hour of my stream. So, then I just started up the original and played as far as I could through Midgar on that for funsies. Mm -hmm. Still fun. I was comparing it, obviously, to the journey we had just completed and, and all that. But, you know, the playthrough went really smooth. There were parts I expected to be easy that were hard and then vice versa. Because I'm going off my memory of playing it on hard, but mm-hmm. also playing on hard with like most of the materia I needed and the weapons and me being fresh from normal playthrough and all that. So coming back to it, I was a little rusty on some things, but we got it in there. I think I only died twice during the playthrough. Once during mm-hmm. that like souped up dog 
in the beginning, and then oh, yeah. I can't remember the second time I died, but I was very surprised. I was like, oh, was crap, it, I think I'm going to die. Was it Hill House? <laughs> no, it wasn't Hill House. No, oh, okay. Although Hill, Hill House was more difficult than I remember because I forgot to negate its god mode using, like, the opposite the element. element. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I forgot to do something like that, but I did. It is what it is. But So that one took longer than I would have liked, but I still beat him on the first try, so that's good. Sweet. Hyrule Warriors, continuing to try to just get through that. I want to try to finish all the maps. It's going to take forever. I chip away at it. Tetris 99, just got into playing that again for a little bit. And I even went ahead and threw down the $10 to unlock the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And you get, you know, where you can do Tetris 99 against CPU. I think I can get first place all the way up to, like, the three-level CPU, like, one through five. So, like, you know, I got two more difficulty levels I'd have to get to. But at three, it gets kind of hairy. Like, I play long enough where the pieces just start just dropping straight down. And right. I've never, I think I've only lasted maybe once or twice against actual people where the pieces drop straight down. And at that point, you're just praying that you hold on longer than the other person. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I love Tetris. I've always loved Tetris. And I, I mean, I, what can I say about Tetris 99 or Tetris in general that hasn't been said about a million other people? There's a reason why it's survived this long. It's a great puzzle game. I played this game that I got for free, and I think it also sells for really cheap. It's an indie game called Journey of the Broken Circle. And I started playing it with Ben, because Ben just came down to sit next to me when he got home one day. And I was like, let's pop in a new game, try this other game I downloaded the other day on Switch. Ended up being a kind of a really cool narrative game. You play as this little circle who's missing like a little wedge, so he looks like a little Mm Pac-Man. And you roll around in the environments, and it's like circles looking for his missing piece. And then you run into a friend, and it ends up being this story about life love relationships and existentialism you know what i mean like it right it actually ends up being really heartfelt and it was fun to have my four-year-old next to me because he was asking questions and he was telling his mom about the story and it was like inadvertently teaching him a lesson about friendships and what it means to be alone or be dependent on someone and i was like well that's a strange way to teach my kid that lesson but i'll take it right (laughs) and uh, i i really enjoyed it i think if anybody comes across it it's longer than you would think this type of game would be. I still haven't finished it all the way, but I think I'm pretty close. And it's actually pretty fun. It's very relaxing. So if you're looking for a chill game to kind of make a few deep points that might hit home, I, I would recommend it. Sweet. Yeah. Played PT last night as of time recording every Friday. Awesome. Um, and still can't get that damn ending to unlock, no matter how hard really? I try. I even had my friend Dan was watching the stream, and I was like, dude, be my guy in the chair. Google how to finish this game. And he was like giving me tips and I was trying different things and I just, I couldn't get that ending to pop. When you get to the very end, you need to get the baby to laugh three times and then the phone is supposed to ring and I can only get the baby to laugh once. And Hmm. no, still to this day, there is no guide out there that has a definitive way of getting the ending to pop and it bugs me. Everybody's like, well, lots of different, here's what's worked for us. (laughs) Like, okay, fine. Anybody knows yeah. of a definitive way for sure to get through, let us know. Definitely. I'm easily interested. Yeah. Easily the creepiest game I've ever played. It That's the thing. that That's its strength. Like, it has a few jump scares, but the creep factor in that game. And that's what I really enjoy about horror. I don't like to be jump scared. I like to be thoroughly creeped out. So then when you finally right. do get, like, the catharsis or the release of the scare, you're so on edge, it really hits you. Like, I don't like to be startled a bunch. You know, yeah. like, oh, it's and, that cat again. Cool. Right. <laughs> And the the repeating hallway really works to the game's benefit. Like it's it's like oh I'm in the same hallway. Okay I'm in it again. Okay I'm yeah. in it again. What's changed? 
I got to figure this out. Well, that's a also clever... a creepy ghost lady following me. Like <laughs> exactly, that's the clever thing about horror. You set up expectations and then you subvert them in certain ways. You get people to rely on things being a certain way, and then you then you flip it on them. Mm-hmm. And that, like you said, a repeating hallway is really good for that. Last game I played is my new mainstream game since I finished Final Fantasy VII Remake. I'm playing Hades, okay. and we talked a little bit about Hades. It's you know procedurally generated. It's like a, a rogue light or a rogue like, so it's not a specific like strictly a rogue where you start completely over. And the story continues because you play as Zagreus, the son of Hades, and you're trying to escape. But each time you die, you get zipped back home. And everybody's like, oh, hey, you died again. What was it this time? Oh, the Bone Hydra? That sucks. Like, <laughs> and you get to meet different gods, and there's an overarching story. And so it feels more like a progressive game, even though you are doing these roguelite-type runs through the game. And you're getting different weapons and different like power-ups and different setups. I love mm. it. I'm addicted. Full on. Sweet. It's one of my favorite. It's probably my, I think it's my favorite roguelite that I've ever played because I really like Rogue Legacy and there's a little bit of progression there. Like you can use some points to buy permanent or like upgrades that help you with subsequent runs, but the story is kind of light. This is the most story heavy roguelite I've ever played. And I think that that's what the genre was missing because I love the fact that each one of my runs helps contribute to that story. It's really cool. That's dope. So. Yeah, I'll be talking more about that as the weeks go on, but uh, so we don't run on too long. Let's go ahead and head over to gaming news, because we got a lot there to talk about, for sure. All right. So as far as gaming news, let's see what we got this week. Ghost of Tsushima online co-op mode is being added to the game on October 16th via a patch. The patch also has some other things coming up, like the ability to charm and pet dogs. That'll be cool. Sweet. You can already pet foxes, now you can pet the doggos. Oh, yeah. You can create and equip various loadouts, which which was a thing I was asking for while I was streaming. I was like, you know, it'd be cool. I guess somebody heard me or heard somebody right. else. If you could just pick a loadout and switch to it, because I come constantly. I want the same thing with Final Fantasy Remake. I'm tired of like switching all my material around. I want a specific right. loadout I can just click on. So right. at least for Ghost of Tsushima, somebody heard. And it's got a new game plus mode. That would be great. Yeah. So And there's also a PS5 version announced. Oh, cool. That's I did not hear about that. Oh. Well, great. it's either a PS5 version or the PS4 version will get a free upgrade. Perhaps? Boosted. Yeah, boosted on PS5. So, mm. yeah. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Nintendo had a Treehouse presentation where they did demo playthroughs of portions of Pikmin 3 and Hyrule Warriors 2. Pikmin 3 was a bit of a snooze fest. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was just the guys presenting or the game itself. Maybe I'm not that interested as I thought I was. I watched it and I was just like, all I, all I wanted to do was get to Hyrule Warriors. But it wasn't that great. So the Hyrule Warriors 2 was amazing. And they showcased Urbosa, Zelda, Link using like two-handed and one-handed weapons, and Impa. Mm-hmm. Showcased everybody. And what was interesting is everybody had access, access to Sheikah Slate abilities. Like I saw Urbosa freeze time. I saw Link shoot out bombs. That seems to be Zelda's main mode of attack since she hasn't unlocked her Triforce of Wisdom powers yet, I guess. Right. So she seems to be a lot more heavy on the Sheikah Slate abilities, but everybody can use them to a point, so that's kind of cool. It does seem to have, like, tech introduced, like, specific to characters, kind of like in the original game. Hopefully they explain it better this time, and I don't have to go to a YouTube channel to learn how to play a character because the mechanic is there, but it's not even discussed or taught or tutorialized at all. Right. But what I was really impressed by, the first battle was in the Gerudo village, you know, where Bosa's from. And mm. it was a an exact replica of the one from Breath of the Wild. Down True. to, like, they popped into the bar that you go in where they say, you can only have milk or you can't have beer or whatever. 
and <laughs> and even the depth of field that you get in that game was present in the battle which i thought was interesting it's almost like they used the exact same engine maybe they did i don't know but it was very impressive graphically and the gameplay looks tight and fun the weapons don't break uh Sweet. But you can use <laughs> weapons you collect to power up other weapons so you can still collect a lot of weapons they have that aspect but now you can use them to power up certain weapons to level them up the map kind of displays out like the breath of the wild map but the challenges are dotted all over the map so you can pick like they picked a challenge for link which was a training challenge against a root and a bunch of helium soldiers and he had to use a two-handed weapon to succeed they mm-hmm. showed impa she looks just like pura of course they showed her like using her ninja abilities and dropping frogs on people and fighting a henox that was really cool there was a challenge to beat the henox within a certain amount of time i don't know it was just great everything about it i was very excited to see the gameplay i think it's going to be an awesome game i think it's coming out november 20th yeah i think i think so yeah yeah some sometime in mid to late november certainly so for those interested i think you're you know even if you're not a warriors fan i think there's enough here to be interested in just to get more champions story more breath of the wild story i think that's definitely they've been so faithful in the aesthetic i feel like while still having that warriors gameplay that i'm Really excited to see kind of how it all pans out. So right, nope. Yep. Let's see what else do we have. So there was a really funny article that went up recently on IGN. You know, IGN does game reviews among other mm-hmm. things like gaming news. And FIFA 21 came out, the Legacy Edition for Switch. Uh huh. And they said basically, since EA just decided to copy and paste the FIFA 20, FIFA 20. As FIFA 21, we're going to copy and paste our review. <laughs> the shade, dude. And it starts out like, uh, FIFA 20, should you get it? I don't know. If you have FIFA 19, probably not. And I was like, damn. damn. <laughs> so, I mean, and they, they said that they basically admitted like in a press conference or a news outlet or something that that's what they did. I don't remember seeing that. But the man, the balls on IGN just be like, all right, you're going to copy paste your game. We'll copy paste our review then. That's, yeah, because they're, they're not known for going against the grain like that. No, no. They're usually a lot more publisher friendly. I mean, because they're a bigger outlet and they, they want to keep that access. But the fact that they went there, I mean, that respect, you know, where respect is due. Because that, that right. does, that's probably not going to exactly strengthen the relationship. Although it's not the most unpopular thing to dunk on EA right now. But mm-hmm. uh, good stuff there. I think that's everything I had. What you got on news this week? Okay, so uh, Sony released a report of non-backwards compatible PS4 games on PS5. Hmm. It's only about 10 or so, so that's good news. It's uh, DWVR, and a lot of these games I've never even heard of, so hmm. uh, don't feel bad if you haven't heard about them either. Uh, Afro Samurai 2, Revenge of Kuma, TT hmm. Isle of Man, Just Deal With It, Shadow Complex Remastered, Robinson the Journey, We Sing, Hitman Go Definitive Edition, Shadwin, and Joe's Diner. And like I said, like I've heard of literally like two of those games. I didn't even know there was an Afro Samurai 2. I didn't. I actually uh, played the original. I think I got 100% achievements on that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I played a little bit of it too. I just... It was way after it came out, and it's just number two hit me. Hard to yeah, gotta get that number two hit. Yeah, gotta get that number one hit me. Number yeah. two hit me. Justice, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they also announced that uh, four thousand PS4 games will be compatible with the PS5, so that is very good. Because I think what people like me were afraid of were that 
a lot of the niche anime type games were not going to be playable. Mm. But that is not the case. I mean, so it's I'll a Japanese to... company. You know, well, it's like, yeah, niche but... here, but maybe over in Japan, they're like, you better have my noni, nonakoni, nani, right. shimani. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be better at making up one of those like, names than me. Right. So, yeah, that is very good news. Not all the games will get the PS5 boost. I guess it's up to the developer because mm-hmm. they're going to... They got to put whatever extra manpower into sure. optimizing the game for that. So I'm sure they get a little bit of support from Sony if they decide to go through with it, though. Because Sony wants more playable games on the PS5, right? Especially since it's not launching with a ton. Mm-hmm. And we also got a PS5 teardown video. So basically, the engineer of the PS5 did a video where he took apart a PS5 and showed us all the all the guts, all the good stuff. So the most notable things that I saw were that the panels are removable. Mm-hmm. So obviously we're going to get a lot of customization. Just kind of like with the Xbox 360 where you could remove the faceplate and they had a million different faceplates. I can see them just doing a, two million special editions for this PS, for the PS5 mm-hmm. and just, just going nuts with it. And I actually can't wait to see what they're doing. And it'll be easier to, you know, swap your special editions out and you won't have to buy a whole new system just to get that cool look. Well, you can make your own custom too. They're both like right. white panels. You could take them off and spray paint them and whatever, whatever. True. So, that'd yep, be cool. yep. There are dust catchers in the system, which is a first, I believe, for at home consoles. Good. So basically, yeah, dust is like number one enemy of home consoles. They get everywhere, mm-hmm. get on the motherboard, get to places where you can't reach them. So, mm-hmm. Since they put a dust catcher in, now they'll be more accessible to remove dust from your system, and it will prevent like overheating and stuff like that. So, with speaking a dust of catcher, like do you just kind of peel back the dust, or like how would it work? Did he demonstrate? I didn't see exactly, but it looks like it's uh like you pull out the ju- dust catcher and you just kind of empty it. Oh, okay, it so like, like a tray. I got you. That's yeah. cool. That's very cool. Yeah. Speaking of overheating, the fan on this thing is huge, and these blades are thick. And I like it. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how loud it's going to be, though. I don't know. Hopefully not that loud, but I mean, it's a big boy. So, Like, when you when you watch the video, this dude, it's like when the dude's sitting down, the PS5 on the table is up to, like, his neck. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's big. It's a big boy. <laughs> He's big. Yeah, I'm He's trying to figure out where I'm going to put her fat white ass. I'm thinking, like, probably in the middle. Like, I have this... You've seen my entertainment center. It's got like these oblong shelves and there's all yeah. different shapes. There's like one section in the middle that's slim and tall. I'm thinking I might just stuff it in there. But yeah, I don't know, man. That yeah. it's, it's gonna be she's gonna be big lady. Well, there's also a stand that's included with the system. And uh it's unscrewable and you can do it vertical or horizontal. Yeah, I did see so, that. And the cool yeah. thing about the stand is it actually elevates it up off the uh the table. Right. So, or the the surface you're laying it on, so that way air can get underneath. That's perfect for airflow. So they yeah. they're really smart to do that. The thing that sucks is if you probably pick up one of these used and it doesn't have the stand, you will not be able to lay that thing sideways. Because horizontally, it looks like it's not not meant to function or st- be stationary well without that stand. That's kind of like, like a roll of tape or whatever pops up tape. there. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You got it. That's true, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, on from PS5 news to more GameStop news. Mm-hmm. So apparently GameStop has entered into a multi-year partnership with Microsoft. Oh, man, they're out here buying everybody up. Yeah, and it's not necessarily them buying them 
but although I do feel like it's headed in that direction. But basically, all this is is GameStop associates are going to be using Microsoft products to better, quote-unquote, improve customer experience. So they'll be walking around with Microsoft Surface tablets to help you out and whatnot. Mm. Basically, it's going to make GameStop stores more like an Apple or a Microsoft store, yeah. which eh, I don't know if I really want that from my game store. Because they're already pretty intrusive as it is. As soon as you walk in, hey, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. want to pre-order this? Well, I got it right here. It's like, eh. You know. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Just because they're using their tools doesn't necessarily mean they'll operate that store, but they're already annoying. So, I mean, any change to me is either going to be an improvement or more gravy. Like, once you get stupid, more stupid doesn't really change it. So, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, we'll see how that goes. That's interesting, though. I don't go on to GameStops very often, but I know that you do. So, let me mm-hmm. know your well, observations. Well, yeah, the crazy thing is I haven't gone to GameStop as way. I go way less than I used to. I probably go like to a game stop once a week now. Yeah, but that's more than the average person, bro. Like, yeah, you're definitely and, be the guy to go to as far as like noticing those incremental changes. I think. Well, yeah, because now I'm able to pre-order. The reason that I would go in there is to trade stuff in to pre-order new stuff. But now I can pre-order stuff from Best Buy, Disc Replay. Yeah. Speaking of which, so last week I went to Disc Replay to pre-order Trails of Cold Steel Four, mm-hmm. and the guy told me that they didn't have it for pre-order. And then yesterday I went in and I looked in the little pre-order binder and it was in there. So yeah. I said, hey, I want to pre-order this from a different person. She's like, okay, cool. Let's uh, ring it up. And I was like, sweet. So I'm getting Trails of Cold Steel 4 when it comes out, baby. Right on. And I cannot wait. It comes out October 27th, I think. So I don't have long to wait. That's cool, man. I'm really, Yeah, I'm really excited. So for those, we, we mentioned this replay a couple of times on the show. I don't think that, I think they're regional. I don't think they're Yeah, it's Midwest. Right? Yeah, Midwest. So for those who don't know, Disc Replay is one of those kind of video game slash media. I think very like way back in the day when they started, they actually sold CDs. They don't sell yeah. CDs anymore, like music CDs. Right. But they still sell DVDs, Blu-rays, and video games all the way down to the NES and back up. In fact, I've, I've seen some carry Atari stuff too. Mm-hmm. And they've recently gotten the merchandising game. Like you go in there and there's a bunch of plushies and stuff hanging. And now... They're getting in new games and they're taking pre-orders, which is a new thing that happened, you know, not too long right. ago. So it's the local chain that you can find. I know you can find them in Illinois because I've been to like Chicago and seen them. And mm-hmm. you can find them in Indiana, obviously. I don't know where else. Maybe maybe Kentucky or Ohio, perhaps? I think, yeah, I think Michigan has Michigan might one. Have yeah, and they go by like Disc Replay, Disc Traders, Mega Replay. Ah, uh, okay. So they have maybe and, alternate names. Right. They're getting kind of big. Like, they've already yeah. franchised. Like, you, you, I know you've noticed this. You can go to different disc replays to get different prices, and they can be run independently, but they're starting mm-hmm. to kind of get overarching. Like, they, when they upgrade, like I said, when they all started selling plushies, they all started doing it at the same time. They all right. seem to use the same air freshener, too. Like, you walk in, like, <laughs> yep. like whoa, it smells fresh in here. <laughs> they have the most powerful air freshener, which I guess is good because they've taken a lot of used stuff and a lot of, I mean, we talked about this before. A lot of people like to smoke on their stuff. Right. So if you don't keep your store fresh and smelling good, then all those the stinky merch. I don't know if they have time to basically wash down all the stuff that people sell them. Sometimes right. if you smoke on it too much. I've been in a store like waiting in line where some dude came in just looking gross, looking like, man, you know, his house is a mess. And mm. like he would like drop this box of dusty, smoky crap. And they're like, yeah, we're not. Just get this box out of our store, please. Right. <laughs> I was we're like, you know what? That. Fair. Like, yeah. why are you trying to sell us your garbage, man? Right. But yeah, that's Disc Replay. If you're in the Midwest, look for one because they have actually pretty good 
prices on stuff, except yeah. for the one in Greenwood. Greenwood Greenwood's is bad. basically I eBay. Agree. Greenwood's yeah. basically eBay. You can sometimes snatch a deal from them, but it, it just depends. Yeah, but no, it uh, totally does. Uh, the one in um, no, no, you're right. The one in Greenwood. I was gonna say there's yeah. another. No, no, there is another. The one in Avon sometimes will try to price gouge you too. Yeah, I've noticed. So yeah, be wary of which location you go to if they're local to you, obviously, and. They're really good on Facebook. I don't know if they do Twitter or Instagram or anything else, but they're pretty good about posting up on Facebook. When I was back in my Amiibo hunting heyday, because they were great for getting Amiibos, mm-hmm. uh, most of my really rare Amiibos I got from them or from the Facebook marketplace, they post up every single time they get a fresh batch of Amiibos, and they sell them for a decent price. Like The other day I saw they were selling a gold Amiibo Mario, the, the gold Mario. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like 10 bucks, and I was like, really? That's good. Yeah, That's great, actually. So yeah, if you're if you're on the hunt for, you know, rare games or vintage games stuff like that, you know, follow them on Facebook. Call them up sometimes. They're really cool about checking stuff for you too. So. Yeah, and they'll give you quotes over the phone and everything. So. Straight up, straight up, straight yeah. up. Yeah. All right. Well, she got the, uh, last piece of gaming news I have. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11 Combat Pack Two was revealed, mm. and we they had a little CG trailer that I watched, and it starts out with a member of the Tarkatan race, which is Baraka running through the woods and rain shows up which is just awesome i love rain i love his new design mm-hmm. then he's fighting him and then he goes off into the bushes and you the tarkatan's head comes flying off and then you see melina with her mask off and all of her fang tooth glory just getting chompy yeah yep and then her and rain start going at it and then melina does a backflip because a net like a net trap in the forest comes up and catches a bunch of leaves. Oh. And then you see a silhouette of a man walking towards them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I already knew who it was at first because I saw the, the thumbnail. Yeah. yeah. But then it's, uh, she's like, who are you? And then it is Sylvester Stallone as Rambo. Dope. And he just says, I'm your worst nightmare. <laughs> and then he just, uh, then he wraps his bandolier around his arm and then he just starts shooting his, uh, fully automatic gun. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, like he did with the police station in First Blood. That's awesome. Yeah, it makes you want to rewatch First Blood because uh, he drew First Blood. Yeah, <laughs> he no, First Blood. First Blood is like one of my favorite action films because it's not just in that. Like the subsequent Rambo's, obviously, are just pure action, whatever. Right. But that first one is like actual, like a drama. There's a story to tell, mm-hmm. and it's really good. And it's and about how you know people are treating veterans. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he has to deal with that PTSD, man, he, and the things he did. So. Yeah, I saw an article. I didn't read it. I just saw the headline, and I saw a bunch of angry emojis. And I'm like, oh, what do they do now? Kotaku was like, characters like RoboCop and Rambo deserve more respect than what they're getting as downloadable characters in in Mortal Kombat. And I'm like, Rambo and RoboCop, okay, fair. Their movies obviously had meta commentary, but Mm. shut up. Right. (laughs) Like... (laughs) I, they're, it's they're just, cheesy. They're cheap. Well, most of them are cheesy action films. They're not. Oh, I'm saying like maybe I should go back and read the articles because maybe they admit I hate like commenting an article without reading it. I don't want to be that guy. But it's just like there's a such thing as being too woke. And even if you kind of address the nuance of the fact, hey, it's just fun to have those iconic characters in a fighting game. Don't make your headline so clickbaity or whatever, because people are just right. going to get mad and, and go CSJW bullshit. And it's just like there are so many good points to be made starting off with just like they deserve more respect. Get the fuck out of here. Right. I love it's First like, Blood. It's a, it's it's a, a film good. property. It's not. Yeah. Not well, a per- actual person. Yeah. Calm down. Well, I mean, 
obviously first blood addresses like real world issues and robocop talks a lot about corporatism and, and whatnot like there's conversations to be had about what those movies are trying to say i get that but at the same time like these are action hero icons their subsequent sequels were a lot more action heavy and silly it's okay to put them in mortal Kombat. just shut up yeah so uh, yeah and so like the only characters that i can think to be put in the game, I think this might be the last combat pack, though, yeah. is Ash from the Evil Dead mm-hmm. uh, or Mad Max. And that's literally it. As far as, because it looks like they've been doing the 80s right. action movie people, because we got Terminator, Robocop, Rambo, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Ash and Mad Max, I feel like, are the last two. Unless you want to get uh, Kurt Russell from Big Trouble in Little China in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's extremely niche, I think, for that... Uh, that group of people were Indiana Jones or something. It's just, you know, they, they're just doing so much random stuff. I like that they're doing so Smash Brothers style trailers though. You know, yeah. where they have the fighter come in, like <laughs> Rambo yeah. joins the fight. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, Rambo draws first blood. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Jack Burton's trailer could be like, you know, like a knife just comes through and hits somebody in the forehead and then, and then they turn around and then all you can see is like, a silhouette of his face and a little bit of lipstick on him because he just mm-hmm. got done kissing Kim Cattrall. And he's like, you know what Jack Burton says when somebody comes at you in a dark and stormy night, grabs you by your favorite neck, slams you against <laughs> your favorite head against the wall. You you say, and he asks you if you paid your duels. You, you just say, you tell him what old, you look that sucker square in the eye and you tell him what old Jack Burton told him to tell you. You say, yeah, I paid my dues. The check's in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> screwed that quote up so bad i love that movie though i love that movie oh my god i remember watching it as a kid and like the part that really tripped me out was the part where you know you had like the three thundermen or whatever that it's like thunder and lightning and something but they Uh they wore like the riding hats and they had the thunder powers yeah and the one dude saw that like low 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 pang low mang what was his name the main bad guy Uh, i don't remember yeah. Anyways, he, he saw that he was dead, and he got so pissed off, he exploded himself. He's like, <laughs> and then that last part when he was all like inflamed, and his cheeks were really huge, and like there was steam coming out of his nose. <laughs> I was like, this movie's so dumb. I love it. Oh man, what a great! If you haven't seen it, except no substitutes. If you see Showdown in Little Tokyo, that ain't it. Look for right. Big Trouble. Showdown in Little Tokyo. <laughs> That's a real movie. That's with Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee. Um, it's it's really corny and stupid on a whole different level but it's not like it's stupid bad but it's still like it's like it's like the room you can watch it and laugh and go this Mm. is silly i did not hit her i did did not not. big trouble little china is actually a decent film but it still rides that line of being really goofy (laughs) it's really goofy so yeah i definitely recommend that uh yeah Uh, yeah just a little bit more about mortal kombat yeah yeah, yeah. they are releasing uh mortal kombat 11 ultimate of Mm. course Mm -hmm. and it is going to be a ps5 and xbox series x game Hmm. so that is actually pretty sweet cool so it will have combat pack one two and aftermath awesome i gotta get back into mortal kombat it sounds like it's 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 fun man and like i don't play online or anything because i get my ass kicked but just playing the story mode is really fun well, maybe if I get it, you and I can pop on and do a few matches. Yeah. You can teach definitely. me the ropes. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun, actually. The button-pressing ropes. <laughs> the button, yeah. Teach me the button-mashing button mashing ropes. ropes. Yeah. <laughs> Just the combos. Sick-ass. Yeah. But it sounds like it has a lot with, like, the story mode and a lot to keep. Mortal Kombat's always been good. Mortal Kombat, to me, if you go back and look at its previous entries, more than any other fighting game from a certain point moving forward, I would say probably from... Deadly Alliance. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
because you had your story mode, like your single player mode. You had like they had mm-hmm. all these extra games, all this extra content unlocks, the kart racing, the chess, the puzzle games. Yeah. They really went in on trying to make it a fully fledged experience with a lot of extra stuff to do aside from the core fighting game. I like it when fighting games do that. It's one of the reasons yeah. why I like Smash Brothers so much. That and the fact that it has so many different characters, which it sounds like Mortal Kombat is starting to emulate, but within its own wheelhouse, right? They're just trying to right. find like Alien or Kratos. Like, Kratos was in it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in... Uh, was he in it? Bro, Mortal Kombat Ultimate, if they're actually going to do it, needs to have every single character that's ever been in Mortal Kombat, including all the licensed characters. If they pull that off, that's a... I'm, I'm, I'm getting that. Right. For real. And, and like Ultimate is in, we brought back the puzzle game. We brought back the cart racer. Right. That single player. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a two player campaign where one of you plays as Liu Kang, the other one's Kung Lao, and you go through it's just a right. up. Shaolin Monk style. <laughs> you got this. You got that. I like the fact that they brought back Shang Sun and they made him just like the movie Shang Sun too. You yeah. die. Right. That was awesome. I saw and that I, trailer and I was like, wow, that's cool. Yeah, and during the aftermath you'll see there's a uh, the part where he says it has begun yes. <laughs> I was like, yes that's so cool yes. oh man I know that you and I have differences of opinion on the sequel but that original Mortal Kombat movie no, it's one it's... of the best video game movies ever made and again it's bad it's probably showdown little Tokyo bad but the fact that it was so faithful to the source material I mean if you're already a fan and familiar with that world that movie wasn't made to make money that movie was made for you and that's right. important that's a yep. more important distinction. I think you can do both, but I think it's just really hard. Imagine yeah. trying to make a Mortal Kombat movie with universal appeal that's actually good, but also faithful to the source material. It's almost impossible. Yeah, yeah, you pretty much got to cater to the fans on that one. Yeah, but I'm saying it can be done. I mean, look at Detective Pikachu. That was yeah. an, had universal appeal and it was faithful to the core concept of the, uh, the series. It's also easier with kids' movies, though, or kids' so? properties, yeah. I don't, I, well, I mean, you throw throw a few adult jokes in there, and then you're good. But when you're dismembering people and stuff, then you know you can't. It's hard to make that. Well, it was appealing everybody. to me as an adult, so I'm speaking from an adult's perspective. Ah, okay. So to me, it's not the fact that it was kid friendly that I enjoyed it. It wasn't really even the adult jokes either. Although that helps. Who doesn't like a good cocaine joke? Right. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I just really enjoy when somebody obviously is very familiar with the source material and. They want to throw in a lot of stuff in there that, that fans will recognize, but also you just have a really good narrative structure. Like even Sonic, Sonic wasn't the best movie ever, but I enjoyed it because I, oh, yeah. you know, it was a, it was a fun movie. Yeah. You know? I loved it. That one leaned a little bit more harder on universal appeal than the source material. But you know, again, it's hard to do both equal parts. Well, there, it's rare yeah. that that happens. So, yeah. All right. Well, to move along. I just want to ask you one question, Derek. One burning question that I've been thinking about all week long. Oh, yeah. I'm coming out here on the podcast to ask you now. Derek, what you feeling? Oh, I never thought you'd ask. <laughs> <laughs> I am feeling uh, Shit's Creek. It is a Canadian comedy that just had, I think it's fifth season released on Netflix. Wow. And just give you a rundown because I know you haven't seen it. No, it's about uh, a family who the father created a... Very successful blockbuster type video store. And then it ends up going under and they lose everything. And then they end up moving to this town called Shit's Creek. Uh, inadvertently, years ago, he actually bought this town for his son. And he's like, oh, I actually own a property. And it's, uh, Daniel Levy is the dad. Hmm. If you uh, know American exactly. Pie. Yeah. yeah. I actually uh, bought this town for you, David. And it was, uh, yeah, we could probably move there. And uh, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
And the character, the person who plays his son actually is his son in real life. Hmm. And there's a uh, another character in the show that is, is his daughter. But it's hilarious. The mother is the same woman that was Macaulay Culkin's mother in Home Alone. Okay, I know her. Yeah. yeah. I'm a and uh, I will say this, she has aged terribly, but she is hilarious. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. Because I, when my wife told me that, I was, I was like, what? No way. I mean, yeah, she was yeah. already middle-aged in Home, Home Alone back in the 90s. I guess she was. So she's what? She I didn't even think about now? that. Jeez. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So I retract my earlier statement. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's hilarious. It's just about them trying to get back on their feet and adjust to life in this town and mm-hmm. this build relationships and whatnot. It's It's great. Cool. Well, I will. You know what? Tomorrow I got the day blocked out because it's my birthday. We even we're gonna send oh, Ben shit. over. Happy birthday, man! Oh, thanks, man. We're gonna send Ben over to his grandma's. I was gonna order myself way too much sushi, and nice. uh, we were gonna watch some TV shows. I'm actually. Uh, I'll segue into what I'm feeling, but I don't want to cut you off. Any any other thoughts on uh, Schitt's Creek? Uh, no, it's a uh, it's ten out of ten comedy for me, man. Great. Okay. Well, to segue into what I'm feeling this week. It's hard to say I'm feeling it because I'm kind of not. The way I describe it to my wife, she thinks I hate the show, and I kind of do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started watching – have you ever heard of the show called Evil? It's a CBS show. Okay, so I saw a little bit of it on Netflix, yeah. and I'm like, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. some reason, it looks like it's like B-trash, but yeah, no, I want to see it. it. It's, to- it's C-trash almost. Oh, C-trash. Yeah, <laughs> well, C-W-trash, but like – have you, have you floated over – did you float over the show and they were like, um, we're here to see the kid and I did the whole thing? Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. yeah. That was really creepy. So when you float over the show, they show the three characters and they're like, where is he at? Oh, he's upstairs. So you got the parents going upstairs explaining like, oh, you know. Um, we'll stay out here. <laughs> yeah, we'll stay out here. And they like unlock this padlock from the outside and let them in to see this kid. And he's just sitting there like, I don't have any chairs. You're free to sit on the floor. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I'm hooked. So right. When you actually go to watch it, it almost has initially kind of a X-Files conceit, but not really. But just because the main character is Mike Coulter, who everybody would know as Luke Cage, right? Mm -hmm. And he is, he works for the Catholic Church, and he is sent out by the Monsignor, whatever you want to call him, like the main head of his church, to investigate if somebody's possessed, investigate miracles, investigate prophets, like whatever would be of interest to the church. And he's also right. studying to be a priest. And he hires on a skeptic like that can know like, you know, if somebody's like faking things from like a tech perspective or, you know, like science explanations. The guy's name is Ben. He he'll like go, Well, I've scraped out some particles from the shower head here. They're probably being copper poison, which could lead to psychotic episodes. And then he most recently hires this woman who's introduced as a psychological examiner. Like she works a lot for the DA's office to assess the psychiatric health of defendants that type of thing and she recently through events that will play out in the show kind of loses that gig and so she gets hired by the main character david my culture's character to be his psychoanalysis skeptic right but she doesn't believe in all the demons and everything she thinks there's probably a scientific or medical explanation for things right. so you have that kind of dynamic and it starts off kind of creepy but then very re- like whenever it, it reminds me of ncis which is like you know boomers first criminal show (laughs) right where like whenever they do something that has to do with computers or video games or courtrooms anything that takes any modicum of expertise they just shit the bed like they have no idea what they're talking about and it's kind of hilarious like for example 
the main character has four daughters, like the the woman that he hires, and they're the worst actors in the world. They're terrible. Um, their characters are bad. They're always talking at the same time and just saying, like, you can tell they're ad-libbing their lines and they're bad. Their grandmother watches them a lot and she gave them two VR headsets. So the four of them could fight over them, obviously. But the VR headsets, they, they play this scary game and it's like augmented reality so they can see their room, but then a zombie pops out within the room or whatever. But the zombie makes noises, but then you look at the headsets and there's no earplugs. So it's like, where's the sound coming from? And how come the other girls can't hear the sound if it's not playing from an external speaker? It's stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or the or the courtroom would be like, well, you don't have immunity because it's not your client. And like, there's just stuff that I know, like how the law works and they don't. And I'm like, if a layman can figure out you're bullshitting this, you guys have got to crack open a book. So, right. But I can't stop watching the show. <laughs> it, it keeps hooking me because sometimes it actually is creepy and interesting and other times i'm like come the hell on yeah something and, about trash just attracts you yeah i don't know what it is hashtag mike pence fly <laughs> yeah pretty much right yeah for two minutes i'm just hooked on on some bullshit i don't know what it is just me and that fly so but yeah i i would recommend it if people are into like demonology and into possession and like kind of spooky stories because they they go over ghosts and all kinds of like phenomena or whatever and i like seeing the juxtaposition of somebody with faith versus somebody without it gets a little preachy at times like Mm -hmm. there's this point when they're investigating a prophet and they go back to see her and they're like where is she ice came and got her oh yeah that's a thing that happens now and i'm like i want to be reminded of that (laughs) shit Right. But at the same time, that's the world we live in now. And there's another one where they're trying to figure out how this woman got revived or whatever after she was pronounced dead. And at the end of the episode, Mike just drops like two files on the hospital head's desk. And he's like, this file here is a list of all your African-American patients that had to be resuscitated. And this file here is all your white patients that had to be resuscitated. The African-Americans were pronounced dead and not given resuscitation 30 minutes earlier than your white patients. And I was like, oh, shit, that's real. Yeah. Ouch. But like, so it'll it'll introduce real world elements of systemic racism and things like that in there, which I think is important to talk about. But it because you just have to do it well. Yeah, you have to do it well. It feels a little ham fisted, and because the show is already kind of quirky and ill researched, when they throw stuff in there, it's like I feel like you haven't earned that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's not enough to turn me off because obviously I'm still watching the stupid ass show. So for those who are interested, Evil, it's uh, it's a CBS show that they slapped on Netflix, and it's number four in trending right now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen CBS in forever. Yeah. I haven't watched regular broadcast television in forever. Yeah, exactly. Me neither, and I think there's a reason. But you know what? I feel feel my power levels growing. Uh, (sighs) I think you know what that means. I think I know. It's time for Derek Cross Mike. Anime edition! Are you asking me for a challenge? Believe it! This week, (laughs) we're doing Berserk Episode 4. And we're doing Full Metal Alchemist Episodes 10 through 12. My goodness, shit is going down this week. I don't remember exactly what happened in Episode 4, but let me tell you all about Full Metal Alchemist Episodes 10 through 12. Here we go. You might might if I go first, because Episode 4 is pretty... Is it pretty uh, cut and dry? And I want to spend time on Full Metal. Okay, cut and dry it. Let's go. Okay, Okay, so it starts off with Guts. Uh, He's just kind of trying to figure out what he wants to do in his life. And I forget the uh, blonde-haired character's name that talks to him. Judo, maybe? or or... It's the young kid, Judo. Yeah, Rickett. Okay, 
And then uh, Casca comes and she's and she tells Gus that uh, Griffith wants to see him. Okay. And of course, Griffith is butt ass naked, taking a bath, mm-hmm. like just out in the courtyard or whatever. Then he starts throwing water on Guts, and then they have a water bucket fight, which was really cute. <laughs> I was, I was like, literally going to say cute. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was I was just like, okay, I see. This is kind of a bromance slash hints of you know homosexual stuff going on, but I don't know yet. You know, yeah. it, I feel like he Griffith has they have a weird relationship where it could be sexual if they, if they wanted it to be but it is probably just he respects him so much and he also looks at him as his yeah it's it's funny because whenever two men in a narrative get vulnerable around each other you automatically think homosexuality because i think we're conditioned to yeah but mm-hmm. you're right it doesn't exactly go there they're just they're, they're just having a good time they're almost from jump they're easy it's easy for them to be open around each other which is really weird considering he's a guarded leader of a military force and Guts is very um, abused and angry, right? right? So, yeah. yeah. And so then uh, Griffith talks about his plans for the future, and he's like, I'm going to have my own kingdom, basically. Mm-hmm. And he shows Guts this necklace that he has on. It's called a behelet. Yep. I or think. the egg of the king. Yeah. And he hands it to Guts, and it has, like, these eyelids on it. And one of the eyes opens up and looks at him, and Guts, like, throws it. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then Griffith's like, yeah, I don't know really how it works. And I'm like, why are we being so nonchalant about this piece of jewelry that has eyes that open? I don't – it kind of took me out of it a little bit. I was just like, okay, y'all ain't worried about that. That's fine. Yeah. But then uh, this causes Guts to just kind of look back on his life, like, what do I want? He's not even a – Griffith's not even – or royal, he's just the leader of a mercenary band, and he wants to be like a king of a, his own kingdom. This is this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And so then that's flashback to Gambino, growing up with Gambino, who's the man who raised him. You find out that Gambino's wife found guts being born off his mother's corpse. Basically, she pulls him out of his mother's corpse. Yeah, his mother was hanged from a tree, and yeah. she was pregnant, and he popped out underneath the the tree, and that's. Shiho, I think, is her name. She found it. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy. That's a that's Sucks. that's nuts in itself. Yeah. And then uh, Shiho eventually dies. I don't. They don't reveal how, but Guts survives. Basically, Gambino blames Guts, but all the while he's training him up. He goes on his first mercenary battle, and Gambino saves him a couple times. And then eventually, uh, Gambino gets hit with like a barrage of oh, what do they call them? Catapults, and he's paralyzed. Mm-hmm. And so he blames Guts. He's saying that he's a cursed child because the way he was born. And if, yeah, like if he, he had, had died, him and, yeah, yeah, if he had died, then Shiho would still be alive. Which is weird to me because the way that they portray Gambino, it doesn't seem like he cares much for anyone. Right. So to have him like kind of heartbroken over his wife or feel that badly about it just seems kind of odd. At odds with the character that they presented. But Well, who knows? We never actually get yeah. to see him with Shiho. I mean, yeah, I understand that it's like yeah. post her death. But. Yeah. Yeah, just again, just kind of it does, the show does things that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. Fair enough. Gambino comes to Guts' tent and he's like, "Well, you should have died." Blah blah blah. He has a sword and then he starts attacking Guts and then Guts ends up killing him. Mm-hmm. And then Guts runs away. The mercenaries are chasing him and then he falls down a cliff and yeah, they hit him in the back with an arrow, I believe. Yeah, him. they hit him in the back with an arrow and he wakes up like on a lake or something. Mm-hmm. And then he. Wakes up back in the present, and the Band of the Hawk is about to start another battle against, uh, what were they called, the Black Demon, 
army or something like that. It's like three thousand uh, men. Black rhinos, maybe. Yeah, there's three thousand shooter, which is the the army that they fight. They all have like, or maybe purple rhinos, but they all have like animal names and colors that they assign to their military units. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the king is like, our men are getting beat back by three thousand men. This is ridiculous. And he's like, who can we send to stop them? And then you see guts on his horse running to fight all these men, and then he just starts tearing through them. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, go guts, get them. And then you see Griffith and his new army. And by the way, three years have passed since the last time we see Guts. Okay, so they shoot from his yeah. flashback, and then three years later, he's still fighting right. in the army uh, under Griffith. Got it. Right. Yeah, and then it just uh, does that, you know, 90s freeze panel mm-hmm. of Griffith in his white hawk armor, which looks really dope. Yeah. And that's where the episode ends. Cool. Well, yeah, uh, one thing I think to mention that I thought was kind of interesting is when he did his flashback and he was training as a boy under Gambino's mercenary band, they were like, why don't you get him a regular size sword? Yeah. He's like, we don't have any swords for babies. So then you right. understand like why Guts is so used to fighting with a huge sword is because he, he fought with a full-size sword when he was five, and it just kind of scaled up with him. Right. <laughs> as he got older, he got bigger swords. Yeah. That's, that's a, that, is so, that is really actually dope to show that there's a reason why he has such a big sword. Yeah, because like most of the times they anime, you just big sword for big swords. Yeah, just because. So yeah, the yeah. Japanese people it. really seem to be obsessed with zanbatos. Yeah, like Sosuke had one in Roni Kenshin. You got Cloud. You got Guts. You got like a bunch of people using huge swords. But Guts is sort of particular, man. Especially the one he gets post the Golden Age arc, which is what you're watching right now. The mm-hmm. Dragon Slayer. That thing is humongous, even bigger than the one he has now. So yeah. Cool. Well, uh, sounds interesting. Sounds like he got a little bit more context to his backstory. He had mm-hmm. to end up killing his adoptive father to save his own life and then running away and then struggling to survive ever since. So yeah. see why he's so angry. And we glossed over, of course, kind of some of the other abuse we talked about in previous episodes. I don't think they uh, talked about it in this episode. No, they don't. I'm talking yeah. about our episodes, our podcast episodes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, manga yeah. Gambino would like sell guts to soldiers, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they don't really cover that directly in the show, except for his nightmare. And I can kind of see why. I like the 90s show because I think it's a little more tasteful because there's some really heavy content in the manga. When you go and watch like the movie remakes of the Golden Age arc, it feels very exploitative. And I don't really like it, especially mm-hmm. like when it comes to sexual violence. Not a big fan. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that as we finish the show. So, yeah. Full Metal Alchemist. Oh, boy. Episode 10. So it starts off the Elric brothers, uh, Alphonse and Edward, they are still in the hospital where Edward is recuperating and they're with Armstrong and they're, they're two like, you know, younger soldiers that are watching them. And I think even Hughes shows up. I didn't mention Hughes much in the previous episodes, but he and Mustang are, I think Mustang is who actually, I don't, what, what's his rank? Mustang, do you recall? Uh, Colonel. Colonel Mustang, he is a little bit higher up, and he's the one that actually came and recruited them, and Hughes works directly with Mustang, and Mustang's very serious, and he has, like, fire alchemic powers, and it's always raining, so, like, you can't use your power, sir. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which kind of, like, dumbs him down a little bit, but you can tell he's a bit of a badass just by the way he acts, like, I can tell anime style, and he was in that big war with Ishval, he was one of the leading people in it, uh, which means he's probably done a lot of things he's not proud of, and Hughes is an interesting character because... He's a side character that doesn't really seem like he's there to do much other than just be that co-worker, Comic. you know, that 
always brags about his family. Like he's super yeah. obsessed with his wife and his two year old daughter. He loves them to death. He's constantly yeah. showing people pictures. Mm-hmm. And he comes up again doing the same old thing. And it was funny because when I saw him in the episode and he was bragging about his wife and his daughters again, and Winry's like staying with them while she's visiting to fix Edward up, I was thinking, man. They really go in on what a sweet family man he is. I sure do hope nothing happens to him, is the thought that I had while watching this episode. <laughs> right. Anyways, Fuhrer King Bradley shows up and catches them talking about the Philosopher's Stone and stuff. And he's like, hey, guys, so uh, let me see your notes here. And they're all like, Ooh! you know, <laughs> they don't know who in the military to trust right now. They know the military was complicit in the complete destruction of Ishval. They know that. They may have been funding experiments into researching how to make these philosopher stones with human sacrifices. King Bradley kind of sees what they're on to, and he's like, look, keep this a secret. Do not trust anybody in this organization. Let's keep it under wraps for now. Don't pursue it any further. But know that when I come to call on you, I want to know that you that I can rely on you guys. Right, that you're and ready then, to fight. And then he just pops out the window, because apparently he can't go anywhere without escort. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they're like, where's where's King Bradley? Or where's Fuhrer Bradley? And they're like, oh, he's this way. He's like, I gotta run. Yeah, and the funny thing is, from the first episode, you see that he does not need an escort at all. No, no. The very first episode, the main guy causing trouble, he does one of those anime things where he draws his sword without you actually seeing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's very fast. <laughs> Even when Edward challenges him, when he first like takes his uh, chemical exam or whatever, and he presents to Fuhrer Bradley... He runs right up on him with a spear, like, you should probably be more careful during these uh, evaluations. I could have killed you. And then uh, Fuhrer Bradley's like, could you, though? And then all of a sudden, you see the tip of his spear pop off, because Bradley, without him even seeing, had already cut his spear. I was like, damn, that dude's fast. Yeah. So they decide that in order to further investigate the whole Philosopher's Stone, because, you know, the extra laboratory is blown up, the library was burned down, they're going to head to, I guess... They're going to recoup. They're going to go back to Dublin to visit their alchemy teacher, Izumi. Mm-hmm. And that's the lady that originally taught them alchemy and also taught them how to fight. So I guess they're going to try to, you know, Ed's like, I'm tired of getting my ass kicked. Let's go visit our <laughs> right. teacher, see if I can get a little better. So they're on the way to do that. Winry notices that on the route to Dublin, they're going to go through a place called Rush Valley, which is a town known for like making all the latest advancements in auto mail, which is. You know, like like Ed's arm and his leg and the stuff mm-hmm. that she works on, right? Right. And she's like, she almost has a sexual fetish with auto mail. She starts <laughs> humping the air when she thinks about it. She's like, oh my god, you have to take me. I have to go there. I was like, whoa, calm down, Winry. So yeah. they agree to take her and she's ecstatic and they head out. Meanwhile, Hughes is, you know, the guy that loves his family. He's deciding, like, he really needs to look into, you know, he's looped in on this conspiracy now. So he's thinking about the problems in Lior, which is that town where they had the fake priest that, you know, the shadowy group was propping him up. They finally had riots over there and, like, brought him down. They realized he was a fake. He's thinking about the fifth laboratory where the human experiments were done to create, you know, the the Philosopher's Stones. He's thinking about the Ishval Civil War where the military came in and basically just crushed them. And while in a research library, he puts all of these together. He's like, oh, my God, I have to report this. And I don't know what he put together, but he somehow links all of these together. And I don't know if I was supposed to get it or not, but before he gets a chance, Lust shows up in the room like, hey, Mm. can't let you do that, and attacks him. And he barely gets away. Like, she stabs him with her long claws or whatever, and he throws a knife and actually hits her in the head. I was like, Dead in the head. Dead in the head. I was like, go Hughes. 
so he runs down to use a phone in the you know in the military complex he's in he's like and then he decides not to he's like i don't want to use an inside line so he runs out of the building and then it cuts back to lust and she pulls the knife right out of her eye it looks like i was like yo apparently she can heal that's cool right and he's bleeding like profusely from his shoulder but looks like he'll probably live and he goes to call mustang his superior colonel mustang and report his conclusion on based on what his, he was investigating and he, like they delay him he has to use his code or whatever he finally gets through but right before he can say anything he has a gun pointed to him and it's one of his fellow officers Maria ross ross thank you yeah and he looks around he's like you're not ross ross has a, a mole under her left eye and then you realize yeah. it's not Ross, it's Envy, that member of the shadowy group that can actually change into other people. That's right. the name, right? Mm-hmm. And then Envy's like, oh, okay. And then like Envy touches just below his eye and puts the mole there. And so you can see Hughes readying a knife and he's like looking away. He's like, I can't, I got to get home to my family. And he turns back around and Envy has changed into what looks like his wife. And it stops him just long enough for Envy to shoot him dead. Yeah, and he's like, like, what the hell are you? Yeah. Bang, bang. I was like, oh, no, Hughes. I was so worried he was going to die, too. Once he got, once he ran into them, I was like, oh, buddy, you cannot handle this. Yeah. So he dies, and they have a funeral for him. And his two-year-old at the funeral was like, Mommy, why are they putting dirt on Daddy? They're, like, putting dirt on the casket. He's like, tell them to stop. He's got work to do. Daddy, no. And I don't know what it was, because I was watching indoors, but it started raining. There was water all over my face. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you cried. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. did. That was really yeah. sad, dude. Like, that yeah. was terrible. It gets me every fucking time. Because I have a kid around like, the same age, and I thought about, like, what he would say if I passed away, and I just lost exactly. it. Exactly. And it's it's just the fact that she can't, being so young, she can't comprehend that she's never going to see her dad again. I'm not even sure if I would bring the child that young to a funeral. Yeah, I don't know if they would regret her under because I mean it's not like she's making memories yet. You know what I mean? It just feels traumatizing. Yeah, Um, it's crazy. Yeah. So, but that sucked. They decided to promote Hughes to brigadier general after his Mm -hmm. death, just for his service. And Mustang is investigating his murder, and he tries to request information from Armstrong because Armstrong would obviously know what he was investigating. Armstrong refuses to tell him because. Fuhrer Bradley was like, hey, don't tell anybody what's going on. So mm-hmm. obviously Armstrong's like, I can't tell you anymore. And the Mustang's like, I'm giving you a direct order as your superior officer to tell me what the fuck is going on. And Armstrong's like, I can't. He's like, okay, dismissed. And he figures out if he can't tell me, that means he promised somebody above my head. That means that somebody high up in the military is in on this conspiracy and they could be dirty. So he's already investigating the fact that like it has to do with Philosopher's Stones and it has to do with the military covering up secrets. Like, Mustang seems to be on the scent. Yeah, and I want to just interject real quick. A line that Mustang says, this gets me every time. He says, yeah. uh, it's a terrible day for rain. And then Hawkeye, his right-hand woman, is like, but sir, it's not raining. He's like, yes, yes it is. And he starts crying. Oh, and I she saw said, that, yeah. Yeah, and then she says, so, so it is. is. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, my God. But, like, it's showing the yeah. relationships between these characters and just so well I, I, I love it. Mustang always pretended to be annoyed when he had to hear Hughes brag about his wife and daughter, but you could tell that they were friends and that he right. really didn't mind. So, And he's taking Hughes' death very seriously. He was like, mm-hmm. I will become Fuhrer one day, and I will yeah. get revenge for Hughes. We'll find out who yeah. killed him. I was like, just well, you wait. Yeah, just yeah. you wait. So... <laughs> 
that all goes down. You shoot to the next episode and Edward Alphonse and Winry, they get to Rush Valley and they're like walking around. Again, Winry's just like humping all the displays, just going mm-hmm. nuts. He's like, oh my God. But people notice that Edward has the auto mail on his arm and they're all like looking at him like a specimen. Like, let's check out your arm. He's like, get off me. And then through all that commotion, he notices that his state alchemist pocket watch, which proves that he's a state alchemist, was stolen. And immediately somebody was like, with an earshot, was like, oh, he got pickpocketed. It was probably by our local pickpocket, Panina. Panina, yeah. And I was just like, well, why? Oh, what the fuck? Someone if catch you, her. If you know, yeah, <laughs> stop her from doing that. So then they go to chase her down. And of course, the first person of color in this show is a pickpocket. Thank you, Japan. I didn't even think of that. I did. That was my first thought. I was like, uh, you made the pickpocket black. Thanks, Japan. Yeah. So, but it was it was nice to see a person of color in the show. And Edward just goes full metal alchemist on her ass. Like he's like, stop! And he like raises the mountains and fists. Uh, he's pissed. And I'm like, she's just a, like a little girl. What are you doing? Like she's. I mean, I would have to guess she's probably late teens, early twenties. Mm-hmm. But she's dodging all of the stuff really easily. And I'm like, whoa. And then Alphonse gets to drop on her and alchemically like produces a cage around her. And then she kicks out of it because guess what? She's got auto male legs because of oh, course yeah. she does. You're in auto male town. And then she ends up escaping, but they track her down to this place where I guess the person who created her auto male legs lives. He's like an auto male expert. Winry's very impressed with him because mm-hmm. the auto male that Panina has, like one of her legs is a cannon and the other one like looks like a blade. Yeah. And they're <laughs> pretty advanced. Like she's very impressed. So she wants to be his apprentice. He turns her down. Winry then convinces Pinina to stop being a pickpocket just by going, pickpocketing is bad. And if you want to show your appreciation to the man who gave you auto male legs, then you should be a better person. And then Pinina's like, yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll stop. I was like, okay. oh, that was easy. <laughs> but I mean, Pinina was an orphan. Apparently she was in a bad train accident or something and lost her parents and her legs. And the auto male found her when she was like a little girl begging in the street, picked her up took her home, fitted her with legs, whether she said yes or not. Very painful process, but she grew up to be able to use them effectively and to like them. And then she steals to try and make enough money to pay him back, even though he won't accept any of her money. Right. So, interesting, I guess. Very noble. <laughs> uh, there's a woman that's living there. I think it's his wife that... Uh, it is his son's wife. Oh, it's his daughter-in-law. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, the auto male expert's daughter-in-law is having a baby, uh, or she's pregnant, and then... Edward busts in like the bay, the bay. Yeah, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and they all anime freak out for a long time. I'm like, oh my god, we're so immature. How are we going to handle a baby? So, yeah. <laughs> but they pull themselves together. Winry immediately goes, "Go get hot water," like everybody does. Right. <laughs> and and they end up delivering the baby. And Edward and Alphonse are very impressed. They're like, "Wow, all the stuff we know about alchemy, but you can still make life." You know, like that's amazing. We need to figure. Edward's always approaching everything from the angle of science and alchemy. Mm-hmm. So they decide to go ahead and continue on their quest. Winry does not convince the automail expert to train her, but she does eventually get him to point her to another teacher. So I don't know really ha- what happens with that, but Edward and Alphonse continue on to double F to run into Izumi, their alchemy teacher, right? And that ends the episode. Then we get to 12. They visit their master, Izumi, and she's got a husband. I think his name is Sig. Sig, yep. Yeah, and they're looking for more clues on the Philosopher's Stone and to get training. And they recall uh, how they first met Izumi back in their home village when it was it was being flooded. 
and the sandbags they were putting up, the levees were breaking. Azumi just comes in out of nowhere and like alchemy is like a big barrier. And everybody's like, how'd you do that? She's like, just just wandering by, thought I'd right. help. And of course, Ed and Alphonse, like knowing and appreciating alchemy from their father who had recently left, just run up like, train us, please. Yeah. And she's like, where oh, are the hell are... Yeah, she's like, get off me. Where are their parents? And they're like, actually, they're orphans. And then she looks at their little faces and she goes, well, shit. Right. <laughs> and she decides to train them. And she strands them on this island. She goes, I'll be back in a month. Figure right. out the secrets of alchemy. And they're like, what? And she gives them like this cryptic, like, I want you to understand the meaning behind one is all and all is one. And she leaves. And then, you know, back where she's working or whatever... Her husband's like, um, you sure you should have done that? Those kids could die. She goes, it happened to me and I didn't die. And he's like, well, you're special, though. You're really strong in alchemy. Right. And she's like, ah, they'll figure it out. And they damn near go crazy. At one point, Ed tries to bite Alphonse because he looks at him and like Looney Tunes sees just a big hunk of meat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up eating the ants and they just kind of get their stuff together. They start to hunt like they at first they didn't want to like kill rabbits, but they eventually get over their fear of like hunting because they see a fox kill the rabbit they caught and eat it and they eat the fish and they understand that everything's cyclical and kind of like a Lion King story. They're like, well, yeah. you know, when we died. We become the grass and the ra- rabbit eats the grass and that becomes part of its body. And then we eat the rabbit. It's great our cycle body. of life. Yeah. So they realize that in their mind, one is all and all is one is that we're all made up of the same ingredients and we all absorb each other in order to continue on. Mm-hmm. Azumi comes a month later. They figured it out. They're eating good off the land or whatever. They've made shelter. They give her the explanation. She laughs like it's the stupidest thing she ever heard, but then decides to train them. Mm-hmm. And then you shoot back to regular time. You notice that she's kind of sick and frail. Even back when she was young, she was sick. Like yeah, when she did a big like... alchemy thing, she like threw up blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she still has enough energy to kick their asses. Through combat and retraining, she notices that. Alphonse is just a suit of armor and that Ed has lost an arm and a leg and she's like super pissed at them. And you come to find out that the reason why she's so sick and she keeps throwing up blood is way back before they met her, she had a baby that was stillborn, I think. Mm -hmm. And she tried to use alchemy to bring the baby back. And the same thing that happened to Ed happened to her. She saw the truth, that void form, that God form. And she was able to make alchemy without a circle, just like Ed, but she lost a piece of herself pieces of her internal organs mm-hmm. was were, were taken which is why she's so frail and sick and why when she exerts herself she throws up like that so they have a moment to bond at the end of the episode like she holds them and she's like it's okay to hurt because they keep denying yeah. their pain mm-hmm. and they all kind of cry and hold each other and they kind of bond over this loss that they've had this mistake that they made and uh, i thought that was actually kind of sweet yeah so and that's pretty much where the episode ends as far as i recall like i said i mean i know that you mentioned before it's getting a little heartfelt little serious there's a lot of themes of exchange and loss and mistakes and kind of moving forward and i guess accepting mm-hmm. the things that have happened so i'm interested to see what happens with uh mustang and fear king bradley and and how that all goes down people are dying now like major characters so right so it's definitely a, a lot more on the line here yeah and i'm still trying to figure out what the whole link is between you know, Ishfall, Lior, the Fifth Laboratory, the Philosopher's Stones, this shadowy group that names itself after Seven Deadly Sins. We've only met three of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interested to see how it goes. Yeah. All right, man. That is next it. Week's, next week's going to be a good one. Yep. Next week. Yeah. Berserk Episode 5 and Full Metal Alchemist, Episodes 13 through 15. All right. Catch it.
All right, so that is the end of our show. But if folks want more, they want to know where they can follow you, get at you, where can they contact you at? They can follow me on Twitter at goodies underscore more. I'm on Instagram at gamergoodiesmore, all one word. And they can check out my eBay store where I post all the awesome finds that I tell you guys about. eBay.com slash STR slash gamergoodies and more. All right. All right. Well, if you're interested, you can follow me at Twitter at MikePetersonAL. My YouTube channel is MC Paperstacks Plays. That's where I archive all my Twitch streams. Twitch is at twitch.tv slash mcpaperstacks. I have a main stream Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Playing Hades right now. Great game. Come check me out. Mondays, we do Brawlers and Warriors games. This upcoming Monday, I think I'm going to do Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, so look forward to that tomorrow if you're listening to this on the day it launches. And that'll be at 9 Eastern. And then on Fridays, of course, I do horror games. I haven't decided which horror game I'll do this Friday, but that'll be at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, also, you can catch new episodes of our podcast every single Sunday. The hub is anchor.fm slash player2 is enter the pod. You can visit us, comment, send us a message, donate to the cause. We appreciate it all. You can also send us a message at mcpaperstacks at gmail.com. And, of course, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are found. Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocketcast, Radio Public, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. If you're on Facebook, I have a gamer group that you'd be free to join if you'd like. That's facebook.com slash groups slash indie gamers. All right. That is our show. We hope you enjoy yourselves, and we will talk to you next week. Take it easy. See ya.